Well, this Easter season here at Abundant Life, we've been working through a sermon series that I've titled, that we've titled Living Hope. Is there anything that this world needs more than hope? Our world is full of people drowning in the shame of their past, the stress of today, in the uncertainty of tomorrow. We see it all around us. Life is difficult, and many people are wondering if it's just going to get worse, and they seriously doubt that it's going to get any better. They're in a pit, and they don't know how to get out. They've lost hope. Can things change? Can hope be found? Can the pits of life be overcome? Well, the resurrection of Jesus Christ declares loudly and boldly, yes, they can. You see, through his resurrection, Jesus, he overcame the ultimate pit. He overcame the pit of evil, sin, and death. Evil, it threw its best shot at Jesus Think about the mockings, the scourging, the the, the beatings, the, the spitting upon him, the horrors of crucifixion. Think about our sin placed on him and him experiencing all that guilt and shame that come with it. Think about his closest buddies all deserted him. Jesus was in a pit. He was experiencing the humiliation, the isolation, the immense physical suffering of the ultimate pits. And he allowed that pit to kill him. And just when evil, sin, and death seemed like they had won a fantastic, amazing victory for evil, then Easter morning came, Right? And the ground began to shake. And the stone that covered his tomb was rolled away. And an angel descended from heaven and told the two ladies there at the tomb a message that has changed the course of human history. What's that message? He is risen. Matthew 28, 5 through 7, this is what the angel told the ladies there. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And guess what? Those ladies did see him. And you know what else? Over 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. Our resurrected king has rendered death defeated. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, evil, where is your sting? Oh, sin, where is your sting? You see, this is so important. There is no pit that Jesus cannot bring you out of. You know why? Because he has defeated the ultimate pit. And so he can help you conquer all the lesser pits that you find yourself in in life. 
And guess what? That's precisely what Jesus has been doing for centuries. He's been writing these stories of redemption. These stories of people that were trapped in a pit and his hand reached down and pulled them out. He's writing these stories. He is our living hope. And the reason he's able to write these stories is because he's not dead. He's alive. And that's why he's able to continue to write these stories today. Look, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to tell you about a particular redemption story that I want to share with you. Although I thought I was a part of a pretty awesome comeback story yesterday. So you just need to know this. This happened to me. Yes, it did. Yesterday, I'm coaching Elijah's team, right, head coach. I'm on third base, you know, third base coaching. And we were down three runs, right, final inning. We get, we get them coming around. I mean, it was all about my coaching. I'll tell you, I had, them, I, had, I, had that, I had that defense throwing that ball all around, right? So we got three runs, score right, we go up by one, I'm giving the fist pump at third base, running down the line towards home plate, celebrating. The umpire's like, it's the fifth inning. <laughs> the other coach is like, it's the fifth inning. Here, I thought it was the sixth and final inning. <laughs> Guess what happened? We lost by one. <laughs> I blame it on my assistant coach. He had me all confused. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that the grave could not contain you. Thank you that death could not defeat you. Thank you that the forces of evil could not gain a victory over you. Lord, thank you that because you are alive and you have overcome the world, you can help us overcome it too. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're fixing up our basement in our house, right? And, you know, there's, with any project, you got that sequence of order that things need to happen in. And we still need to put walls up and drywall and do the electrical. And we still need to put flooring in. But I completed the first most important step in remodeling a basement that every man knows about. I got a TV. You were right. The most important step in any basement remodel is get a big old TV. Check. Mary wasn't especially happy about that purchase. It's my wife, if you don't know Mary. Look, this past March, I was going down my basement steps, and there was this sign that was put up there by my nine-year-old son, Elijah, and it said, March Madness Headquarters. Aww. Yeah, I know. Probably my proudest moment as a dad. <laughs> there it is. And you can see, so I got a big TV. You can see why it needs remodeled if you look closely. I got a big TV and a son that wants to watch as many tournament games as possible while eating good food. Man, my dreams have come true. He's got some Krause's pizza right there. You can't see it. He's eating Krause's pizza. And so his little sign, you can see it on the top. I don't know how well you can see it, but in his little nine-year-old, or he is nine, right? Nine-year-old writing. 
all of a sudden it just felt weird. I didn't know. <laughs> and so that's what we did. We watched, we watched as many games as we possibly could. And it was a heck of a tournament. If you watched it, you know. It was full of you know, upsets. It was full of come-behind victories. It was full of overtime games, right? It was, it was fantastic. But there's no story sweeter than Virginia's story. For those of you who watched it, you may know this. Last year, they were in the tournament. They got knocked off. They were ranked number one. Got knocked off by a number 16 seed. The first time in tournament history that that had ever happened. Number 16 seeds were zero in 132 losses to number one seeds until last year when Virginia lost the game in the first round. And it's haunted them ever since. And this year, they were ranked number one again. And they scratched and clawed their way to a national championship. In their elite game against Purdue, they were down with a minute, 15 seconds left in regulation. Virginia's odds at winning that game at that point, according to people who are far more brilliant than I am, was a measly 7%. Virginia hit a buzzer beater shot and then went on to beat Purdue in overtime. Next up in the final four was Virginia against Auburn. Guess what? Once again, late in the game, their win percentage went down to a measly 7%. But then Kyle Guy and a controversial foul shooting a three went to the line down two with 0.6 seconds left on the clock, and he hit three free throws to win the, the game. Remember that name, by the way, Kyle Guy. In a championship game, in the national championship, Virginia, they, they squared off against Texas, Texas Tech. And then late in the game, Virginia, their win probability was down to 25%. But they managed to come back, force overtime, and then win the national championship with their fourth straight come-from-behind victory. In one year, they went from the bottom of the barrel, losing to a number 16 seed, to the top of the mountain, right? Hoisting up a national championship, the first for Virginia men's basketball. As I was reading about it, some people were calling it the ultimate redemption story, as I read about it. Great victory had replaced great defeat, right? Well, little did I know, and maybe little did you know, that as I was watching this story, this this redemption story unfold with Virginia, Jesus was writing a redemption story inside of that story. He was at work redeeming somebody out of the pit in the midst of it all. And it's a story that he could write, of course, because he is alive. Now, if you could care less about basketball, if you could care less about sports and you didn't watch any of the games, I think this story will captivate you. I know that's how I get my wife to watch sports, right? 
I've even considered lying about the players' personal stories. You see, number 12, he was homeless last year, but the coach took him in. And you see, number two, he met his mother for the first time last week. I know. I know. And do you see number 24? He serves in orphanages in Africa nine months out of the year. Mary says, how does he do that? I don't know. Isn't it an amazing story? I don't know. That's how I get her to watch sports with me. Who did I tell you to remember? What was his name? Kyle Guy. Let me give you guys a story. So before his historic loss last year in he plays for Virginia, right? I said that. Before their historic loss in the tournament last year, he wrote a letter to himself on Facebook. And although, you know, this was before the loss, so his team had had a stellar season. They won the ACC tournament. They were seeded number one, as I've mentioned. He was selected as an All-American. And he revealed in this Facebook post to himself that he had been taking medication for his anxiety attacks. Listen to what he wrote. To himself. You've kept it in a, you kept it a secret because you didn't want to be viewed as weak. You were worried people might think you aren't built for this. But now you need to realize that even if they do think that, that's fine. They can think that. They weren't with you when you bursted into tears in the middle of practice and you didn't know why. And despite that, you kept pushing. They weren't there every time your fiancé helped calm you down night after night when the pressure seemed to consume you, but you kept pushing. They don't understand you couldn't smile through the latter half of the season because the anxiety and pressure was eating at you, but you still, still kept pushing. Later, Guy, he wrote another Facebook post to himself. This time, it was after their historic loss. This is what he wrote. And when the final buzzer sounded, I cracked. I cracked and the pressure got to me. My mind, it raced to the past, the future, the present. It was too much. I was hit with an overwhelming feeling of sadness, anxiety, and failure. All the sensations of that exact moment consumed me, and I was no longer in control of my emotions. I was crying uncontrollably. uncontrollably. It was like a sugar rush of desolation. While I was at half court in UMBC, crowded the court, I felt isolated. I was detached from reality. My brother, DeAndre Hunter, which is another player, literally had to drag me and escort me off the court. As soon as I got in the locker room, I hugged our seniors and I said, I'm so sorry. I went on to sit in the showers and cry alone. I wanted nothing more than my fiance or mother to come hold me. Coach called us in the huddle and he said his closing remarks. I honestly did not hear one word. All I knew was I had to go to the podium. Can you imagine this? I had to go to the podium and hold a press conference and be able to talk to the media in front of millions of people with Coach Bennett and my brother, Ty Jerome. The only word I can think of to describe myself on that podium was numb. It was a dark place. 
Some of the questions were so tough and some were so dumb, says Ask Ty, that it was the hardest interview I've ever been a part of. The feeling of embarrassment is hard to shake. It was even harder to swallow that embarrassment and go on the podium. My throat felt dry and sore from holding back tears. Every word that came out of my mouth had to be second-guessed so my voice wouldn't crack. I had to constantly sip my water to keep myself busy. When we finally got to leave the arena, check this out. When we finally got to leave the arena, we had to get a police escort and go back and go in the back of the hotel. You know why? Because we got death threats. There was suspicion of someone hurting a bunch of 18 to 23-year-olds for losing a basketball game. Guy, to use his own words, he was in a pit of overwhelming sadness, anxiety, and failure, desolation, isolation. That's a, that's a pit. So that was last year after the, after the historic tournament lost. Fast forward to this past basketball season, right? Here is Kyle Guy. He's in the Final Four game against Auburn. And as I mentioned, he gets fouled shooting a three-pointer with his team down two with .6 seconds left to go in the game. There's millions of people watching him shoot these free throws. He's in front of thousands of people that are there in the arena. His entire team's season is on the line. How would the player who suffered from anxiety attacks handle the pressure cooker of a situation that he was in? How would this player who is consumed with overwhelming sadness, isolation, and desolation because of their loss last year, handle the pressure of this situation? How would he respond considering the last year when they lost, there were death threats on his very life? How would he respond? He drained one shot, he drained two shots, and he drained three shots. How? How is the question? After the game, he said he was terrified shooting the foul shots. How did he experience such terror yet move so courageously despite that terror to accomplish the mission? Well, when asked after the Elite Eight game how he mentally overcame a really bad shooting slump, which I think he was like 0 for 23 in the tournament up until that game or something like that, and he came out of that slump in the second half against the, I think it was, uh, yeah, Auburn in the lead eight game. And he had 25 points to lead Virginia to victory. This is what he said. This is how I overcame it. With my faith in the Lord and my team. His faith in Jesus. His living hope. Last year, after his team's historic loss, and he finally made it back to his family, and he's there, and he can't even speak because he's overwhelmed with all the feelings I mentioned. 
This is how Guy described his encounter with his family in the Facebook post. He says, I hugged them all and told them I loved them without saying a word. My mom is the most positive person I know. When she asked me how I was and I said, a bend in the road isn't the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. It's very good. She replied, this is what she said, you're right, but what if I told you not to worry? Because, hear this this morning, when you feel like you are drowning, fear not, you're Lifeguard walks on water. Jerry Shackles wearing a shirt with that exact statement on the back of his shirt. I said, Jerry, I'm going to say that statement today. Your lifeguard walks on water. Fear not. And he was, Jesus was this water-walking lifeguard that kept Kyle Guy from completely drowning. Jesus even brought Guy to a place where he was thankful for the valley that he had experienced. Let me quote him one last time. Here is why I am thankful for this happening to my team and I. We got a head start in life and on the court. I realized the more time I spent sulking, the more opportunities I was missing to grow. I realized every second is an opportunity, not an obligation. I am now striving to be a person that wakes up and gets out of bed and makes the devil go, oh no, he's up. I found an appreciation for the light because I have been in the dark. After this season, I have been fed and I have starved. For me, I'm not going to stop the story just because I don't like the scene. Jesus redeemed Kyle from his pit of anxiety, depression, despair, and failure. And it's that which catapulted him into this year and enabled him to succeed on the court. You know who else is an amazing Christian? Tony Bennett, the head coach of Virginia. And that like anchored him as he had to lead this team through that historic loss. Check out his video about humility. It's fantastic. Look, Jesus can do this stuff because he's not dead. He is alive. And he's right now at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And he pours out his resurrecting resurrection power on people that will come to him in repentance and faith. Look, you may be here this morning and you're in a pit. You may be here this morning and you're in a pit. Chances are when you get this many people in the room, there are multiple, multiple people in a pit. Maybe you're stuck in the pit of past hurts. Someone has deeply wounded you. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been taken, you've been redubbed. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe you've been lied to. Maybe you've been rejected by the very ones who were supposed to accept you and love you unconditionally. How deep the hurt. I want you to know that Jesus wants to redeem it. He wants to write a comeback story for you. He wants to take that which harmed you and turn it into your victory. He wants to 
he wants you to come to him, come to him, surrendering your life to him so that he can cause his mercy, his grace, his love to come into you and heal and restore those wounds. He wants to replace your resentment and your anger with forgiveness and peace. Jesus, he's, the resurrected king is calling you this morning. Do you hear his voice? Maybe you're here this morning and you're drowning in the pit of failure. You've swung and you missed. You didn't get that promotion. You didn't get that job. You didn't pass the test. You didn't get into that school. You know what? God wants to redeem all that. He wants to turn your failure into a stepping stone to your success. Jesus is calling you this morning. His arms, they're open wide. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're drowning in a pit of guilt and shame over wrong you have committed. Your sin has been great. You've harmed yourself. You've greatly harmed other people. Perhaps you've even played the prodigal, right? And you've lived in all these riotous ways. You've it's sex and sleeping around and, and, and drugs and alcohol and blowing money. Lying and cheating, picking fights. Jesus wants to redeem all that. He bought your forgiveness when he died on the cross. And he wants to give you his forgiveness in exchange for your guilt and shame. Jesus is calling. Do you hear, them this, hear him this morning? He wants to transform you from the inside out. Maybe you're here this morning and like guy, you're drowning in the pit of anxiety, depression, worry. Jesus wants to redeem you from that pit. He wants to replace your worry with faith. He wants to replace the chaos you feel inside with his peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus is calling you this morning. His arms are open wide. Won't you run into his embrace? Perhaps you're here today and you're drowning in the pit of unrealized dreams. Jesus wants to redeem that. He wants to give you a new dream. He wants to give you a new purpose. He wants to give you a new plan for your life. He is calling. His arms are open wide. Perhaps you're drowning in the pit of financial debt. Jesus wants to redeem you from that pit too. He wants to supply all your needs according to his glorious riches. Jesus is calling. His arms are only wide are open wide, and he only gives good gifts. Maybe you're here and you're drowning in the pit of a marriage that is in shambles. Jesus wants to redeem that. He can do it. I've seen it. Jesus is calling. His arms are open wide. Look, there is no pit that Jesus cannot redeem your life out of. Because he lives and he's defeated the ultimate pit. No matter how deep your sin runs, his grace can run. It runs deeper still. Psalm 103, 1 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pits. Who crowns you with steadfast love, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Look, God, through Christ, can so radically redeem you from the pit that he causes your greatest hurt to become your greatest ministry. If that is not redemption, I don't know what is. Him, him actually redeeming it so much that not only did he redeem you, but he's using you to redeem others who have fallen into that pit as well. That is redemption. This is what he did with Guy. Check this out. This past November, Guy, he felt this strong calling to help moderate a panel for Virginia student-athletes on mental health. So he was working there. Uh, During the Final Four, just this past April, he was asked to participate on a similar panel. Without hesitation, he said yes. And Guy has heard, he's heard from numerous fellow student-athletes how thankful they are that he would open up and share his struggles. Because they are finding comfort through his redemption story. That's redemption. There's no pit that Jesus cannot redeem. Oh, what a Savior! Isn't he one for him? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen We have a living hope. And I want to tell you, God is not just writing redemption stories in Virginia. He's writing them all over the world as we speak. And you know what else? He's writing them right here in this church. You're going to see a video of some of those stories. But just in our communion service that we had on Friday night, People were nailing sins that Jesus has forgiven them for and is helping them overcome. I mean, look at some of these. Lust, addiction, distrust in God, self-righteousness, putting self, prideful, selfish gain before God, treating my family mean, punishing them for making normal mistakes, judging without love in my heart, car accident when I feel as if I killed him, he died, I hit him, resentment, adultery, and I can just keep reading. You should come up and look at these. You should look at the hope stories over there. Let's watch this video of our very own in the hope that they found in the living hope. Hey, if you're in a pit this morning, the enemy wants you to feel as if you're isolated, as if you're alone, and as if there is no way out. But I want you to know you have a community right here, a family right here that wants to come alongside of you prayer with Jesus to see you um, overcome that pit 
If you need prayer, if you need someone to talk to, please don't hesitate to approach me. Anybody on this stage, we would love to pray with you, and we would love to come alongside of you. So you're not alone in that pit, and so that you know that there is hope. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this celebration. We're so grateful that we can find hope for our past, hope for our today, and hope for tomorrow in you. Lord, I pray that for any one of us that's, that's in a pit that we can't get ourselves out of, that we would come to you, that we would humble ourselves, that we would get on our knees before you so that you can raise us up. Lord, I pray that we would go in power this week as your ambassadors to extend this message of hope to people that are drowning in a pit of despair. Help us to be your light, your salt in a dark world so that more and more people experience your resurrection, your resurrecting power, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have an awesome Easter Sunday.